Uh, um, so how much is that? And welcome to the podcast editors mastermind, the podcast dedicated to the business side of podcast editing. We are the Yetis. Uh, introduce myself. I am Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at Top Tier Audio. I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that probably doesn't really get mentioned enough, and that is customer service. Because who are we without our clients? I guess we can call it client service, but... How do you deal with uh, the client relations and like how do you handle situations that have gone sour? So we brought an expert today, Warren McGregor. He is a 13-year veteran of being on the front lines of customer service work from restaurants to hospitals, pharmacies to the hotel front desk. He's managed others with Marriott International as a banquet captain slash event supervisor his first job in junior high school was teaching swimming lessons at the local YMCA, where he discovered a knack for teaching. Blending a teacher's mindset and a passion for connecting with and serving others has brought Warren recognition and awards in the field of customer service, and he has been gracious enough to lend us his expertise tonight. So, Warren, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've listened to your podcast for a while, and I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. I'm not sure what to say about that. You've listened to the show and you're excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am excited to be here because when I've been listening, I've heard little snippets of information about where customer service could plug in and, and help the circumstances that I hear being described. For my piece that I want to give to you guys to take away tonight, it's to walk you through in good detail how I've come to the understanding of customer service that I have, because I'm combining, as you heard Daniel mention, Marriott, I got training from Disney, I've worked at high-end restaurants, I've worked in a wide range of places, but the level of customer service that I've achieved just within right before a freaking COVID showed up and (laughs) changed my life plan. I was working at the highest rated restaurant here in Washington, D.C., where I live, And I was getting abnormally high positive customer satisfaction responses. So I want to explain how teaching has supported my customer service. And then I think that is such a good subset of tools for people to do podcast editing with. When I was a kid, as was mentioned, I was a competitive swimmer. So if I could do something, I discovered when I taught swimming lessons for the first time, oh, teaching isn't a big deal because I I just know how to do it so I can tell somebody else how to do it. That was a thing that I just kept falling back on. In particular, when I was in college, I went to the University of Iowa in Iowa City, and we have a transit bus system. It's called CAMBUS, C-A-M-B-U-S. If anybody remembers the driver's ed car driving around the town where you grew up, I got to work for a while as a CAMBUS trainer. So we were driving a 40-foot, 16-ton bus that said training on the top of it. And there were plenty of times when people were, you know, a little more nervous than they needed to be. But 
that was another example of how once I knew how to do something, it was easy for me to break it down and share it with other people. Fast forward to 2008, I went to work for Marriott in Iowa City at a hotel and convention center. And I worked uh, in the two capacities, at the front desk and as a banquet manager for that company. And that was the first experience that I had. If anybody's familiar with Marriott or stayed in a Marriott property, they have been developing a culture of customer service dating back to the 1920s. They first had a little A&W root beer stand here in Washington, D.C., in Columbia Heights in the city. And the building that it was in is still there. It's very different now, of course, but they started out in restaurants and then in the 50s got into hotels and then built a brand in the hotel where they are the top, the biggest hotel company on the planet. And they did that by investing in their staff, by training them on customer service. There's a culture of customer service that they train. So I'm going to be accessing some of that in the conversation tonight and understand whenever you hear Marriott, this is a company that started a long time ago. And what happened was people would go to school, get a undergraduate degree, graduate degree, and then come work at Marriott and continuously evolve and improve their customer service systems. So I came into it in 2008 and I got to be there for five years and I absorbed a lot of excellent customer service skills that continued to serve me well after I left. In fact, I had a really crazy job after the five years of Marriott. I went to work at a university hospital and it was in 2012, late 2012, early 2013, And this hospital was putting a big emphasis into customer service because the federal government had put out a change in how Medicare reimbursements were going to be done. So if you had better customer service scores, you were going to get extra money. So they brought in Disney to the hospital to train everybody. And I was what's called a concierge technician where I was responsible for facilitating a bedside delivery service of prescriptions when people are discharging from the hospital. The crazy thing about this was, if anybody's ever stayed in the hospital or been in the hospital for a long period of time, customer service isn't what hospitals are known for. So they brought me in because of the Marriott experience so that I could increase the customer service scores. I served two populations of people patients and their families, and hospital staff. Both of those people contributed to the patient satisfaction. So I was trained and worked to improve satisfaction in those two groups of people. I mention this in detail because I want you to understand, I took everything that I learned in Marriott and all the teaching experience that I've had and tried to teach people in a hospital how to give good customer service. I developed workflows, I developed communication patterns, like built infrastructure for a service that's never existed in the hospital to integrate with workflows of people in the pharmacy and people in different hospital units. So if you've ever been in a job where you're trying to connect people in different places, you can understand some of the challenges with that. So I think there's going to be a lot of things that are valuable about that. Because as a podcast editor, we are trying to connect people, trying to connect with people and serve people 
from a distance most of the time. For various reasons, that job after two years wasn't going to go where I wanted it to go. I moved here to Washington, D.C., started working in a hospital here, found that the same problems were going to be likely to happen. And in the summer of 2016, I started working in restaurants here in Washington. By May of 2018, worked my way up to be in the highest rated restaurant in the city. It's a restaurant called Joe's Seafood Prime Steak and Stone Crab. They were and are the highest rated restaurant in the city on something called Open Table. Do all of you guys know what I mean when I say Open Table? Do you know what it is? The booking service? Yes. And I think of it as a Facebook for restaurants. And it's important that you understand kind of how it serves the restaurant industry in a city because of the feedback mechanism that it provides. And that feedback mechanism is going to show you how successful what I've learned in customer service has been. Because as I said earlier, I was getting abnormally high positive responses in customer service that I was delivering. So Open Table is a, an app. You, you open it up, you put a uh, profile in, you can book a restaurant based on criteria like cost, location, type of food, um, how well rated it is. You make a reservation, you go and you eat, then you come back on and you put down a review. And when people want to book a restaurant, they will find the open table listing and just start reading the reviews. Well, the rating for Joe's is 4.8 out of five stars. And when I did the research last summer, there were only six restaurants in the entire city of Washington, D.C. that had that rating and more than a thousand guests. So in that restaurant, like in that high profile a restaurant, my approach to customer service and my approach to focusing on the purpose of the guest enabled me to get four times the number of positive mentions in open table than the average server at the restaurant. And this is a thing that I'm going to strive for as a podcast editor. And it's that feeling where people are so happy they have to tell somebody else what they think and feel. People would often express the positivity of their experience on their way out the door. And then anything that showed up on open table was kind of impressive because they had to go out of their way to sit down and write the review. So the things that I learned all the way through my career before coming to Joe's, I, I did some of my absolute best work, period, in any field at Joe's. And I'm really grateful to see that the approach that I took to customer service and connecting with people really paid off and made people not just happy, but it, it gave them an experience that then they talked about somewhere else. So that's a long perspective to underscore the idea, like the heart of my customer service approach is I don't just deliver a service. If you three were sitting at a table in my section of the restaurant, basic level would be getting you the food and drink that you ordered, uh, that you really liked, get it in the right time frame, and make sure that it was exactly what you expected. That's the starting point. Uh, and then I focused all of my attention and energy on just building and building and building your satisfaction so that you didn't just have a great meal, you had a dining experience. 
You didn't consume a service. You had an experience. And that focus on the experience is driven by the purpose for each guest. Okay. I'm going to start rambling longer. (laughs) (laughs) That's the explanation that I wanted to give you so that you can understand, A, that I've thought about this for years, practiced it for years, and it really works. And anybody can go on open table and look for Joe's Seafood Prime Steak and Stone Crab. I'm the only Warren that's ever worked there. And you'll be able to see the actual like emoting that people did um, because they were so happy. They just had to get it out kind of a thing. And I think we as podcast editors have such a powerful opportunity to approach podcasting with the same level of, of focus on why somebody's doing a podcast, what's important to them about their why, and get to speculate happily about all the good that's going to be done in the world because of this person's earnest podcast that they put themselves into and share with everybody else on the planet. Yeah, and I know that there's no open table for podcast editors. Obviously, there's nothing like that. But you know, you see it all the time when somebody uh, in a Facebook group says, I'm looking for a podcast editor. And you see people's customers, right? You see their clients say, oh my gosh, so-and-so is the best. That's kind of that same emoting because they don't have to stop and take the time to do that. But they love you so much. They love the value that their editor delivers. They love the experience that they get. They love the relationship that they do. So I think that is like, you know, that emoting happens in different ways. Yes. And not on apps. (laughs) When you have happy people, they want to talk about it. Yeah. And podcasting is so new and hot still, even though it's been around for a few years, adults get together. They don't want to talk about their kids. They don't want to talk about their job. So it's like, what else are you doing? Oh, you started a podcast. How's that going? That's exactly the opening that somebody with that passion and, and gratitude for the work that we do, that's the inroad. And, and it worked at the restaurant where I worked. In fact, something unprecedented happened. I had a table one evening, there were four adults, and on the notes in the reservation, it said, please sit in Warren's section. And I looked at them and I I didn't recognize anybody, but that's not uncommon because so many people came through that restaurant that not being able to recognize everybody's face immediately wasn't a shock. Walked over, started talking to the table, greeted them, and I asked them if they'd been here before, and they said no. And so like in my head, I'm like, wait why did you ask for me if you've never been here before? And then later in the meal, it came out. I I tactfully brought up the idea about why I couldn't remember where they were. Have I served you at another restaurant? Have we met somewhere before? And the gentleman said, no, when I was making the reservation and reading through open table, I saw so many people say that they wanted Warren to be their server the next time they were there, that I wanted him to be my server the first time I go. So that conversation It's already happening. And if we're doing a great job, it's going to be a great conversation that they share with other people. And if we're not doing a great job or if people aren't happy, then they're going to kind of not talk about their podcast as much in their next conversation. Or they're going to discourage people who want to hire an editor. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've seen that conversation as well. <laughs> uh, which then, whenever I do see those conversations, we're like, oh, I tried an editor, but it was terrible. Then right. I, I usually try to take the time and like, okay, I'm really sorry you had that experience. Do you mind telling me a little bit about what happened or if they went into any detail? I'm like, well, it's not really how it's supposed to happen and very apologetic and trying to smooth things over because I want them since they have the money to do it, I want them to hire another podcast editor that they will have a good experience with. So I worked for Walgreens for a long time. So that's another very customer service driven. And I worked in a restaurant. So I was the hostess. I was the manager. I was a bar. So I smoothed a lot of things over. So yeah, you're speaking my language. And I'm also curious, Gary, as a manager in the restaurant, you got to watch different mm -hmm. servers performing could you tell the ones who did the right stuff in the beginning? Oh, yeah. And did you notice how often it prevented problems from happening as opposed to other servers who maybe don't ask the question if the guests have any allergies? Right. And then all of a yeah. sudden, oh, no, this is an allergy. Oh, no, this is an allergy. And like all the food gets thrown away, mm -hmm. can't be reserved. Yeah. And the, the people that knew, like, for instance, the servers who knew that the food wasn't good enough to go out wouldn't take it out. They'd ask for it to be remade. They smoothed it over with their customers. They didn't have to deal with that. But the servers who took it out because they were taking shortcuts, that's where the problems were. So yeah, those servers who really delivered on that experience, who really valued good customer service, I didn't have to worry about. It was the ones who weren't so into it that were a thorn in my side. <laughs> well, I definitely think the restaurant is a great starting point for somebody in the podcasting business Everybody can do customer service well, every single one of us. If you can make eye contact, if you can listen to somebody else, if you can be kind to somebody else, that's a fantastic foundation to approach any customer service interaction. So one is everybody can do it well and everybody can learn to do it better and better and better. That's one of the criteria that both of the big companies, Joe's and Marriott, they relentlessly were involved in encouraging people to be better than you were yesterday. Try a little bit harder today than yesterday. Learn something from today so that tomorrow you're going to be better. Like this constant approach to continuing to learn is the, the, the habit that will, two years down the road, you'll be in a very different place. So one of the things I'm wondering, I'm, I'm thinking from the perspective of a podcast editor, and I think that some of the things related to customer service are what I would consider table stakes. It's what you need just to show up. I deliver a quality product. I do what I said I was going to do on time. And if there are things going on that you need to be aware of, I communicate well, like, hey, you, you might not be happy with the output. This is why this happened. Or like some of that proactive communication rather than, oops, I forgot to tell you. But what are some of the other levers that we can pull, so to speak, in terms of customer service to deliver client value, things that they actually want without the continual race to the bottom, for example. Right. I'll tell you my approach to it that worked at the restaurant. And I'll invite everybody to remember this the next time you go to a restaurant, because we all will, now that COVID is in the rearview mirror, all will get to go back to normal life and get to have that experience. And I would ask four questions when I first greeted the table and that set the precedent or set the frame for my entire customer service process. First question, 
um, have you dined with us before? What that would do is tell me how much they know about the menu itself. And the Joe's restaurant that I worked at, Joe's itself, is known for stone crab. So if somebody said they'd never been with us before, then I needed to have the stone crab conversation and approach them throughout the rest of the meal from the understanding that they're new to the restaurant. If they've been there before, then I can talk about the other items that they are considering or maybe of interest. Second question is, is the DC area home for you or are you traveling? That helps me understand where they're overlapping with my table and my ability to serve them fits into their life, like in the big picture. Third question was, are you celebrating anything tonight? That gave me a sense of the importance of the evening, or sometimes they'd volunteer, no, we're here to talk business, or no, we just needed a night away from the children, something like that. And then the fourth question is about allergies. Um, Not in the initial conversation, but after they get a drink in their hand, we start talking about food in more earnestness. I'll say, hey, do you have any food allergies that I need to let the kitchen know about? Because I've had the experience where I've forgotten that question, spent 15 minutes talking about all the shellfish options, only to have the person say, oh, no, I have a shellfish allergy. I think I'll just have the steak. Because they don't want to interrupt you. (laughs) Right. Right. So those four questions started to get me tuned in to their purpose for being there that night. So as you said, table stakes, Brian, I know your food is going to arrive fresh and hot at the right time. That's what I expect just when I'm walking up to the table and expecting the service. After that, I focus on all the why dimension, all the why issues. What are they celebrating? Is it an anniversary? Have they been married for seven years or 38 years? Are they from another city? Are they uh, local? All of those things are levers, handles for me to connect more with them recognize their perspective of this experience of eating at the restaurant and find other ways to really care about not just what they're eating and how much it costs, but that they really like it and are really having a good time. So those questions, that first conversation that I have with a uh, table, or let's talk about it in podcast editing, that initial conversation is going to look very different but I'm going to want to know almost the same set of information if this is their first podcast or if this is their third one and they just are bringing on an editor because they want to focus on their passion projects and this extra one is just for business. That is going to be one difference in approach, refining the purpose and enabling me to more precisely interact with them. Is this the first draft of this podcast? Because I want to know Uh, like you were talking about, Carrie, if they've been to other podcast editors already, if they've tried this once before and it failed, great. Let's talk about that. What, What was your experience before? How did it work? What did you learn to find where their knowledge base is? Because somebody who's brand new in podcasting is going to need more teaching. They're going to need more support in becoming aware of what is going on behind the scenes and how it shows up in their podcast. Somebody that's experienced in podcasting, has been doing it for a few years and wants the extra support, I can have a really different conversation with them, just like somebody who's been to my restaurant dozens of times. Then I can just talk about what's new. Deal breakers, food allergies. 
I don't know the right frame for this question yet, but it's one that I'm going to want to ask right off the bat. What are your deal breakers? What would cause you to think this is a failure or something along those lines? Because they all have, everybody has fears. Oh my God, I'm going to make up this thing. I'm going to talk about it. What's the worst case scenario? Well, let's talk about it. Get it out on the table. Then I can remember that so that as we're going along, building this podcast presence, I can start pointing out when that fear is being addressed. And do you mean, let me just clarify, do you mean like as the podcaster is podcasting or as you're working with the podcaster? Definitely not interrupting. It's definitely going to be a before and after kind of thing. And it's going to be structured depending on how each of us wants to run our business. I know Daniel does quarterly um, sit-down conversations with people, which I love. And we've all been in the restaurant where you place your order, your food comes, and then your waiter disappears. (laughs) And you never see them. And you need something. And you kind of do that. I know when I walk into the dining room, if my table is going... And I'm already late mm-hmm. and I need to get over there to find out what's going on. So it's definitely in a, a coaching kind of teaching role, supportive outside of the moment to moment performance of the podcast. Okay. And I see like a, a really fun challenge, sending out the finished product once it's done and then just putting in a nice positive thing that I noticed and what they're doing. Hey, your voice is sounding more confident today in the fifth episode than it did yeah, in the first. And I, and I absolutely, I love doing that. I love doing it. Yeah, I have cried with podcasters over the improvements, right? Because it, also when they do well like that, when they make those improvements, my life is much easier as, as their editor. Yes. It is so much easier. Like I have one girl I used to spend Oh, so long, like three, four hours editing her podcast because she was like half sentences and half thoughts and on, on stammering. And now it's like, boom, I can spend an hour on her podcast and I'm done. And it's so easy and I love it. But we worked on that, right? That's something that positive encouragement, giving her practical tips along the way. And it has just made all the difference in the world. And now she's extremely successful (laughs) and I am too. (laughs) And doesn't it feel great to know that you taught somebody something that you know from your perspective and they are now successful at helping other people in their podcast? I mean, like the ripple effect of podcast editing goes all the way around the world. Yeah. The, The ability to make positive change in the world is absolutely within our hands with every podcast episode. Yeah. And whenever I hear anybody say anything about her podcast, I share it with her. And, and I found out like her podcast was being used as a teaching tool at our local college. Wow. And oh my God, that was the greatest feeling ever. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm there, I'm her editor. <laughs> so Heck yeah. yeah. So that was cool. Any other questions? Uh, do you have any more of the important first questions to ask? Again, I'm I'm in the learning curve of podcast editing, so I don't have the road tested translation. But I'll I'll repeat my four restaurant questions and see if other ideas come up to you guys. If you're sitting at my table, have you dined with us before? Is the DC area home for you, or are you traveling? Are you celebrating anything? Do you have any food allergies that I can communicate to the chef for you? Imagining those questions or a version of those questions when you either first 
take on a client, or if you have clients, schedule a specific time to meet with them for an hour and say, listen, I've gotten some more training, or I've gotten some more information, or I want to check in with you and make sure that your podcast experience of production is fantastic. Imagine you were, you were consuming a service from somebody, you've been doing it for two years, and it's pretty good. And then they come to you and they say, you know, I really want to have a, a good conversation to make sure that this is excellent, that you are having an awesome experience and everybody that you're serving is having an awesome experience. And then you can ask a version of those four questions, translate it into the circumstances where you are. But I think that kind of a check-in can be done at any time for the first time. And then based on those, again, back to the restaurant, that refined understanding of why somebody was there and what was important about their meal fed into the challenge of, ooh, okay, everything is done. What little extra thing can I do that's outside of the norm that they're just going to love? They're going to just totally be gobsmacked by and totally get a kick out of. So that setting up or uh, setting a precedent or, or taking a new initiative within a current system or a current service you're providing, then going forward, just look for the pr improvements that they make, look for the strengths that they show, and then you can reflectively ask them questions. Hey, did you ever notice how your voice is X? Hey, did you ever notice when you speak about this topic that your, your flow is really good? Like whatever you can think of, that's the, some of the follow-up, Brian, to, to take a long path back to your question, pay the table stakes, get them what they want, when they want it, as they expect it, and then look for all the ways to just add little things personalized here and there as you go. Because that extra attention that you'll pay is what they'll really take in. All of a sudden, they forgot that I was successfully providing them food and drink in a timely fashion. All of a sudden, they're paying attention to, oh my God, he took our picture. He thought to ask about the other thing. Like that kind of shift in approach of my efforts also shifted their attention to what's so great about working with this group of people. So we have a question from the Facebook chat. And if you are watching live and you do have a question, leave it in the chat and we will get to it. So, you know, please leave a question if you have anything for Warren or for us. Um, but Heather Wester asks, can you make those types of comments if you're an editor and not a producer referring to that your voice sounds like this, your flow is that, et cetera? Right. I think it'll depend on your fit within the team that you're working on. If you are working under a producer and they are the more primary conduit of communication with the client, then you are supporting the serving the producer by saying, hey, listen to this clip, listen to that clip. Can you hear the difference between their voice and this and that? Can you see the improvement and let them deliver it? It, it doesn't have to be something that I will say, as long as it gets back to the client and I'm working for the producer or through the producer, the producer's going to love me for that because I'm making their job easier and making them look better. I loved my managers when I was at Joe's because they would let me deliver all the good news. They'd be like, hey, I know that person. Tell them that, that we're, I'm going to buy their desserts. I'm like, oh, do you want to go tell them? I'm like, no, no, you go ahead. You, you get to do that. You can even tell them it's on you. Like that is another like dimension to 
podcast editing service serving the people around me, like the team that I'm on. Yeah, but I think if you, and I think most of our audience and most editors probably work one-on-one with a podcaster, in which case I would almost say that it's an obligation because you have the ear for the audio, you know what to listen for, and your clients probably don't. So Heather has a follow-up. I hear you, but in the situation, there is no middleman. I guess that's where I get lost. I struggle with pointing certain things out. So yeah, like if you hear something in their audio, so it might not necessarily be, you know, it's going to be after the fact that you, they've recorded it, you hear it, and you can just be like, hey, I noticed this in the latest episode. You might want to try this in the future or whatever, or be like, if it's bad enough, sometimes I'm like, hey, do you want to re-record this? Because it's pretty rough. One, like they'll thank you for it because you're making their show better. But from your point of view, it's going to make the show more successful and therefore keep you employed longer. So, yeah, absolutely. And when I'm trying, when I'm giving maybe critical feedback to the podcaster, I always try to either put in um, some personal experience I've had where I have made the same mistake or I've had the same failure, or I try to add in some positive feedback to go with that. So they're not just focused on that negative because the last thing I want to do is make them feel bad. And the last thing I want it, want them to feel like is a failure. So I always try to like frame it up in a, in a very positive way for them. So they're more encouraged to make changes or to re-record and not discouraged mm-hmm. by any of the critical feedback. And you can set an expectation with people at any point by having a conversation about working together and collaborating. I am going to pass on experience to you because I'm going to get better at doing my job when I talk with you about it. You are going to get better at your performance or your execution of the podcast when I give you feedback. So like, we're both going to be walking down this street together. Let's expect mistakes along the way. Oh, in fact, one of the best servers at the restaurant where I worked, she tells, she trains everybody and she had a great statement early on. She said, I've worked here for a long time and I've made every mistake you can make. If you expect to make mistakes and expect that those are going to be opportunities to learn, that can in advance lessen some of that negative feedback. And if you can find your own philosophy about approaching making mistakes or uh, maybe somehow get that out of the client at some point, within the relationship building, see what they've struggled with in the past. Well, I always tell everybody that, or they ask me, like, or they say, well, they'll say at some point, wow, you know so much. You're what? And I'm like, look, I only know as much as I do because I have made every mistake <laughs> you can imagine. Yes. I, this is from like total failure, like many, many failures. So, and that, that, that really does tend to make them feel good about any kind of feedback. So Kiri, do you say that Early on, do you wait until a mistake comes up to reassure them or both? Uh, both. So usually early on, if they make any comment about my expertise, I will let them know there's no difference between me and you. I'm just like 20 steps ahead of you. That's it. My job is to make sure that you don't fail as much as I did. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then when they when they do, I do give them reminders when they need it. Right. Because sometimes they do get down. And especially if you have that relationship with your client, they'll let you know. And so I just remind them that, hey, you know what? You're no different than anybody else. And I've been there 
and you're okay. Like totally normal. Just chalk it up to a learning experience. Let's move on. If somebody is struggling like that, personally, I found a a way that I get ahead of the disappointment. I collect positive experiences. At one of the restaurants before I went to work at Joe's, we had these comment cards and I put it on every single check that I delivered to a table. And anytime somebody wrote down something positive, I photocopied it and took it home. And then I had a, a collection of them, 186 of them by the time my second year was done with the restaurant. So anytime I made mistakes or anytime something didn't go right, I could say, okay, yeah, I made a mistake. And then I'd look at that stack of paper. And if I needed to, I'd sit down and start rereading them. So if there's a mechanism for where people are sharing their podcasts and written feedback, guests are giving feedback, scores, anything. I happily listen to somebody express their frustration with where their learning is and then mention to them that, you know what? There's a lot of people that are thinking this. Here, listen to so-and-so from such and such and give them outside feedback that way. It's really specific and you got to kind of be in the flow of the information, how people give feedback. But that's one thing. And also in that quarterly conversation, asking people, hey, what's going right? What's going well? What are you really happy with? Give my observations, let them give me theirs, and then remember them so that when they do get down at later times, you can say, oh, I totally understand. This is an up and down thing. And you know what? Remember back on June 24th when we talked about the thing that you were really happy with? That's still true. That will never change. And you made progress before that to get to that point. Here you are, frustrated, and this is an opportunity to build more knowledge and learn more. So we got another comment from the chat from Helen King. How do you get over the knocks? I had a terrible experience with my first big project and lost confidence to put myself out there. That is, uh, it sounds like Helen, a really challenging situation that it was terrible to, to hear that adjective in the description definitely gives me an idea of how difficult that was. And in one sense, it is more than you expected. It sounds like so kind of raising your expectations of the worst case scenario is a thing to do in response. And another thing to do is to think back to any knocks you've ever had in your life before this. I'm sure there is something that you've experienced before, Helen, where you were just knocked completely down into the dirt and you literally had to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and get back to doing something. And that strength that you built in that moment is accessible to you now to be able to look from past experience to help yourself get back up and moving and also look outside, connect with good people. That's a great way to get the emotions and get the fear and get the frustration out because that's all fluid and temporary and get into the activities that you do that build your confidence in general, exercise, good sleep, meditation, gratitude, whatever kind of supportive practices you might do, that kind of a thing, uh, that, that comprehensive an approach. I mean, Helen, just remember you're awesome. <laughs> she is. She's awesome. She's super smart and, you know. I can't remember which one of you wise yetis was talking about this, but 
maybe it was Brittany. I think she was talking about her toxic client and how mm-hmm. she just hated to do the work on this person's podcast. It was the thing she'd put off until the end. We, we have the right to serve good people, to, to deny people and find good people. And unfortunately, we've got to go through some of those bad people to really get a clear understanding of who the good people are. So some of those disappointments of, you know, you do your best, but the client is just, it is just not a fit between the two of you. And I've had experiences in the restaurant where I've just done everything right and the client is just not happy. And I'm like, that is not about me because I know I am good at the job to a level that, again, lots of other people have given me positive feedback on. And if I don't have a lot of that positive feedback, then I think there's a self-defense priority that's absolutely fair. Man, you are just wearing me out. You, you are not respecting what I'm doing. I'd rather be without the money and be a little happier than try to just keep anybody and everybody because I've worked at restaurants like that and it is awful when they let anybody and everybody in and you just are expected to deal with everything and anything that the customer gives you. And some people are just, they just won't be happy. They just like to be unhappy or like to be difficult or, you know, whatever. They have their own (laughs) issues. They're not yours. (laughs) So that kind of leads into one of our pre-submitted questions. How do you move on from a client? Like, how do you fire a client like that? Ones that just like, it's just, you're not a good fit. It's not working out. Like, how do you fire a client like a true professional? I loved what I heard Brittany talk about when she was discussing fit. And that's a subject that I'm going to totally steal. And I'll especially start mentioning it when I have that first conversation. I'm going to have an approach of, hey, I really want to make sure your podcast is an excellent experience and our working relationship is a great fit. That's my bottom line. We are going to be working together well. That's my goal. Then I can reference that goal as I go along. And that's kind of the trump card that I have in the back pocket. Brittany's really good. I, I got a sense of like watching people make a couple of mistakes and then coming around and saying, you know what? I'm just not the right fit for you because I'm not able to prevent these mistakes from happening. I'm happy to refer you to some other potential podcast editors that you can interview. I can give you their contact information. And if you want my help in arranging the interview, I can do that. And if not, I can suggest you go to this website or you go to this organization to find a better fit because I am just not the one who's able to help you achieve your goals because I can hear how unsatisfied you are. So I'm definitely not the right person to make you have an excellent experience. So let's help you find somebody who will. What if they argue with you? (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, there's an assertiveness trick. Just have a sentence that you have practiced and it can be, I hear what you're saying. I just don't think I'm the right fit. I understand that's, that's your perspective. And, you know, I just don't think we're the right fit. If, they, if on the third time I say that, they don't stop arguing and realize that I'm being nice right now and I'm not going to continue to push, then the fourth one is like, okay, look, three times I've told you that I'm not the right fit. That's not going to change. Then I can be more 
and I'm ready to hang up the phone or like hit, you know. <laughs> but what if it's an Q. email? Yeah, but <laughs> like then, an email, it's oh, so even, tough. Oh, actually, emails are easier. We've exchanged three emails. I've clearly said we're not the right fit. I'm sorry, you're not going to let me help you find somebody else who's a better fit. I wish you the best of luck. Type that up somewhere and put that in a, a like template so that you get to like like the hammer section. Okay, Brian, write that down. And you're like, oh, okay, I got to get out the hammer template. Okay, boom. And then just ignore the emails from then on. I think it is absolutely fair. They are behaviorally disrespecting me. Then I can behaviorally defend myself by just not engaging in communication. What if they're really nice about it? You still bring out the hammer or? That's that's where the three polite no's. Okay. Three polite no's. I, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, Carrie, I love that you're so enthusiastic about this and so focused on this. Recognize the positive. I want to help you find somebody who are, I want you to have a great experience. And I'm just not the right fit. Agree with the positive And then I'm just not the right fit. Same line. Finish it and then let it go silent. And if you want to even be a little more assertive, wait, this is written, not spoken. Shorter and shorter emails in response. That's good advice. I hear what you're saying. I completely understand. We're just not the right fit. Boom. Okay. Done. Because I'm going to have to fire somebody who's very nice, who I tried to get rid of before. Hey, and just I'm on couldn't. the call right now. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, we wanted to talk to you about your position here at the Mastermind. Wait, quick, remove yeah. from stream. <laughs> I'm actually a therapist, Brian. This is an intervention. <laughs> Okay. You're fired. <laughs> it took us a long time to get to that part, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, seriously, we have Heather has another question, uh, or has a comment, I'm sorry. Yeah, so Heather says, I did the quote, we're not a good fit email. It was so much easier, but I was terrified they slander my name and business. The individual was not happy and even less nice. That is part of the customer service game, unfortunately. And there is a solace to this. I had, <laughs> I had a table of, of three guests who were super difficult to serve because they asked for everything. I went over with the wine list and I said, are there any questions I can answer? And one of the guests said, no, I just like a sample of that and that and that and that. Like four one ounce pours of wine. That's like a glass of wine. And I'm like, okay, I'm happy to give you information, my sommelier, because the restaurant had a sommelier, my sommelier is able to come over and maybe give you more information, but we really can't just give out information like that. So passed him off to the sommelier and he did a little rings check, wedding ring. He's like, it is not a surprise that all those people are single. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And that is the point. Somebody that goes out of their way, everybody has, you've seen characters in movies where I've dated 20 women and they all turned out to be crazy. It's like, well, mm, what do you have in common? Not exactly. <laughs> the only consistent thing here. And so the people that know them, if they hear them ragging on your business, they've ragged on other businesses and they're going to continue to rag on future businesses. You are just going to be one name among many to that person. And the world is enormous. How many billions of people are on the planet right now? Anybody know right off the top of your head? Six. I think it's 7.5 now. Oh, 
Okay. Well, I was busy last year. So let's say, <laughs> you know, 5% of those people rag on my business. Because this is an internet-based marketplace, that's going to happen. Wear it like a badge of honor. Somebody was honor enough. You'll get to tell a story like I did about a table of three obviously single people that after I spoke to them for two minutes, I could see why they were obviously still single in their later years. Yeah, totally agree. That's, I mean, just like crazy shows and <laughs> yeah, their, their, their network knows, you know, can figure that out. So, and the people that are close to them, friends of theirs won't be surprised when this is the newest thing they're complaining about. Oh, my podcast editor was terrible. It's like, oh, really? Like the gardener and the mailman and the grocery store clerk, they they were all terrible too. <laughs> so we're getting close to time and this is probably going to put us over, but I really want to ask this question because I think it's super important. What do you do when you make a mistake in order to keep a client happy? Expect mistakes. And before you make a mistake, I know that's not part of the question, but again, get back to that purpose idea. I was building satisfaction ever since we first started working together. So the satisfaction is here. And realize if you're doing that, they will have a dip in their satisfaction due to the mistake. There is literally something called service recovery within customer service. Maybe we can say the full picture answer for a future episode, but make a mistake. You got to own it. You can't brush it under the rug. You can't minimize it. If they tell you about it, it's yours to fix. So thumbnail description is apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Acknowledge what the mistake was from their perspective. I don't want you to have low volume or random clicks in there either. That is not at all what I want your podcast listeners to experience. Here's how I'm going to fix it. That's a, a really brief acknowledge what, uh, apologize, acknowledge what it is, fix it, and then check in later. Hey, and this worked great in the restaurants when I would make a mistake because I could come back to it later. And if it was resolved, then I could be like, thanks again for telling me that the potatoes were cold. I would absolutely hate it if you walked out of here and never said anything because I really want you to have a great experience. So you can even thank them later on. So Heather says she made a mistake for a new client missed a deadline and gave a straight up free edit. Do you recommend like giving freebies or? When I completely mess something up, there's a structure on how to assess how much to give. We have to do another one of these, by the way, because I bought a whiteboard for this exact conversation or this exact question, because there's a structural way to assess how upset they are, how big a mistake it is, but do what you feel comfortable with and the first time you make a big mistake like that, trust their response. Like make the mistake in how you respond. You made a mistake editing. Okay, great. Do your best to respond. Give them something free. If you can afford it and it's not going to kill you, a free edit and it makes them happy, fantastic. Their happiness, you'll be able to mention that again later and later and later. Build on it. Absolutely a, a good response. And in high-end restaurants, that's a common practice. When a mistake is made, a manager steps in and gives some extra something. Free dessert, half-price drink. I'll, I'll add in there that 95% of the time, at least in my experience, you're more upset about it than the client is. 
they typically say like, oh yeah, that happened, whatever. Then it's like, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. They hate me, they hate me. I'm ruined. They never want to work with me again. But typically it's like, yeah, if you can fix it, that's great. So don't beat yourself up too much because you're going to be more upset than the client is. Absolutely true. That is one of the things to watch. Yes, I see the mistake as huge. They're not too upset about it. I feel feel terrible because I really want this to be excellent, but they they don't see it as such a big deal. And I think, I don't know if, it, if we talked about this earlier, Warner, if you mentioned it earlier in this episode, but setting the expectation. So if they're pretty neutral about it, letting you know about the mistake, then you come in acting like it's a huge issue, then they're going to be like, wait a minute. But if you go in more positive, like, oh, hey, kind of like brush it off, then that kind of like sets the tone with them. But I think Careful you brush about, it off. Yeah. Not, I'm not you, saying like brush it off like you, it's not a big deal, you but just own not. It, but I try to be, um, when it's something small, I try to just be very factual about it and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to fix that for you immediately. And then I do. Mm-hmm. And then it's not a big deal. Um, but however, there was one client I like kind of repeatedly make the mistake, but I didn't quite understand what the mistake was. Um, I was fixing <laughs> something different than. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um so that caused a little bit of conflict and i finally was like oh my god you know i was like mortified um i was like i would totally understand if you fired me at that point i was just like i'd probably fire me so what do you, what can i do you know what can i do to make this right for you and then i i really did i employed um i i actually told him you know, hey, you know, I have now one of my contractors reviewing all your episodes to make sure that that does not happen again. And how was the response to that from the client? Oh, very cool. Very cool. He's like, I'm not going to fire you. You're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But what you did there, Carrie, was like, okay, I fixed the mistake. And then here's the change in process to prevent the mistake and prevent other mistakes. So like, I, I bet they... We're really impressed by that. And that's probably going to be one of the things they'll talk to other people about when somebody says, oh, how's your podcast going? Oh, you know, they made this mistake, but then they got somebody else to do an extra check on it. So now it's like awesome. Yeah. It almost like elevates your stance with them because now they see like how much you care. I really, and you know, and that's, that's my problem. I care too much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, but like he actually took this month off and was like, no, but just go ahead and charge me for it anyway. And I, but I, I didn't, I didn't because of those mis- like repeated <laughs> mistakes. I don't want to, I'm still, I'm still feel like I'm paying penance that, for me, not for him, but yeah. you know, just, just that one little extra thing I can do to kind of, you know, find that limit, let yourself off the hook and then forget about it. Cause yeah, I can tell you as a server, the ones that were successful, that table that I just screwed up at, this other table over here has no idea. Yeah, very true. I I screwed something up. I might get fired from that. Okay, let me go take care of this table over here. And then, oh, I don't, didn't get fired. The managers didn't see it the way I did. Oh, this table's happy. If I don't do that, oh, both tables become unhappy. I make less money. Like, so. It can be a downward spiral. Well, Warren, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we've just scratched the surface when it comes to customer service. So I think we're going to have to bring you back on, especially to answer um, some of these deeper questions. Um, So thank you so much for watching. And if you are catching the replay or the audio, thank you so much for listening. 
And be sure to follow the show on Apple Pod, you know, Google, all the places to make sure that you don't miss the follow-up customer service episode. And be sure to like the Facebook page, join the group to join the conversation, and you can watch the live stream when it airs every other Thursday at 8.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, normally, we do a Poddex question, but I feel like maybe we want to skip that tonight because we have run a little long, and some of us have dinner and kids to uh, take care of. Uh, I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> so I am Daniel Abendroth, and you can find me at rothmedia.audio. I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com. And our wonderful guest today or tonight has been Warren McGregor. And Warren, if people want to reach out and contact you or find out more about you or whatever, uh, where can they go or what can they do? I am still on the doorstep to getting into this business. So please feel free to reach out to me on my email, warren at warrenmcgregor.com. I'm on LinkedIn, which is a more maybe easily accessible platform. I'm happy to start to connect with people and find good ways to help our team, our community get really good at this. Awesome. And you can find links to all that in the show notes at podcasteditorsmastermind.com. And Carrie, do you want to let people know uh, what to do if they want to be a guest? If you'd like to be a guest, go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest and fill out the little form and we will get back to you. We have a lot of guests coming up, <laughs> so we are booked up until October. I'm really excited about that. Um, lots of exciting shows coming up for you, but... Just because it's October doesn't mean you can't like plan ahead, right? What? So fill out that form and come join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. Uh, um, so how much is that? Um. 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 Um.